Uh, hello, everyone. We have uh, Shreya Huda. She is a mentor, an ed tech specialist, and she's here to join us today to talk about how uh, uh, the future of work, uh, uh, what her thoughts are on the future of work, um, how it's impacting ed tech, and um, just how she's going about her life post COVID. So, um, Sharia, one thing I've noticed, uh, and one thing I noticed post COVID compared to pre COVID was uh, everybody, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tap into your expertise in the the event space first because uh, you're she's also the head of the EdTech uh, meetup in out of New York. Um, a lot of events were hosted in person and a lot of everybody relied heavily upon this in-person interaction. Um, and we really didn't do anything about it offline. It was like, oh, hey, I met you. Here's my business card. Maybe we'd connect on LinkedIn and then we'd go about it. Maybe we'd text, we'd set up meetings, but that was it. There was, it was a very natural procession. Now that COVID's hit everything, there's no way to meet for these conferences in person. So uh, for the New York EdTech meetup, what's going on there? Yeah, um, I'm happy to you, you asked that question. We actually did a, a networking mixer yesterday. So Jessica Millstone and Mike Playwell, they're uh, my other core organizers. And I think um, with the New York EdTech meetup, we really created like a community foundation beforehand. So whenever someone who is new attends the mixer, they always keep coming back. And we've had folks from, you know, who fly into New York um, due to other reasons and they end up coming to the mixer. So I think this has allowed other people from different states who couldn't really come to New York City, you know, that Tuesday once a month to attend the mixer. And this is like leverage accessibility for them, right? Um, you don't necessarily have to take the MTA. You don't have to book a flight, you know, just hop on a Zoom call. And we do it in a way where it's really informal. You know? the, there really isn't much structure to it. We put people in breakout rooms, come back together, and then connect on, you know, what are some things you learned talking to these new connections, um, and what is something that you can offer. And from there, just following up with our community. Uh, I think that's what people want, right? I think people want to oh, be sure. connected with other folks. And if you're working on a cool project, you want to share that, because you never know who can actually also utilize that project, too. Yeah, like really as fun. yeah, as humans, we're always craving this social uh, interaction. Um, but I'm wondering, so like you, like before, how was the structure of it? You had these because you didn't have. I don't assume you had these breakout rooms. You just invite everybody to this and you just threw them to the wild. Now you're having <laughs> breakout rooms. Are you like, hey, you should, Calvin, you should talk to Jason or whatever. Yeah. So in the, the in-person ones, uh, you know, it's once a month um, on a Tuesday from 6.30 p.m. to 8, um, sometimes 8.30. And ideally from 6.30 to 7, um, we have uh, food and drinks, um, food provided by Perfect Picnic. And they, you know, in the space, people are either networking or you're also like lurking around. You're like, who do I want to talk to? Um, you know, do I feel comfortable? And then eventually, um, as people are mingling, we do quick intros which is, hey, you know, who are new members? Um, what is it that you can offer? What is something that you would like to share? And from there, I think based on the shares and offers, people are, oh, I really need to connect with this person. And, and switching over to the digital space with that, um, I think it really helps folks who are introverts. Because sometimes being in a large crowd could be very overwhelming. 
Whereas yeah. if you're in a large crowd online, quote unquote, you, you can leave. I mean, if you don't really feel that awkward or you're like, or you're in the background just listening to conversations and then you jump in whenever you want to. Sure. So I think uh, this, uh, you know, doing networking or uh, just meeting people online, it enables folks who are introverts, but also extroverts at the same time. Yeah, and so like, that's kind of interesting. I've always wondered how this like introvert extrovert experience um going into these in person and then online because even online it still can be apprehensive you have a group of like let's say you have these i don't know how big your how big are your breakout rooms so um the ones online so far uh it depends you know so far we've had about 30 members attend and usually Uh person goes to about you know 30 to 150 120 um, sure. So just facilitating the breakout rooms, uh, we mix it up. So the first breakout room, you're talking to someone maybe for like five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, uh, and then we switch it up. So that way you get to talk to someone else. So um, they're one-on-one breakout rooms. Um, there's about, I mean, yesterday we had about seven breakout rooms. Okay. So I guess like about four people up per room mm-hmm. because yeah, even, I mean, I've gone to enough online events now that I don't, unless someone's encouraging the interaction, people aren't interacting because it still can be pretty (laughs) stressful to like, hey, my name is Calvin Smith. Please reach out to me. Here's my LinkedIn. Here's my email. And that still is a fairly extroverted way of interacting with people. So how does, I mean, you're in the event space. How do we encourage like, and this is kind of like how the future is going to be. this isn't going away. And I think there's going to be some, and maybe you can speak about what you see the future of this going, um, no matter what the situation is, um, regardless of if we can meet in person, how an in-person offline works, but how do we, like, how do you foresee this working? Um, So I like that, you know, for those who have access to tech, uh, I like how this is kind of putting you in a place where you are connecting with other people. I think that our soft skills and hard skills are being, you know, challenged right here, right? Uh, You may have the technical skills and as new career opportunities are showing up, as new industries are rising, I think it's really important to not just have technical skills, because right now we need to have the technical skills, right? We need to know how to log into a platform, know how to utilize it. Um, But it's also important to have those soft skills and hard skills, being able to collaborate, being able to um, project manage, being able to time manage, um, understanding how people are communicating. So when you're interacting with someone online, in a way you're building on those skills that you may have not built on that prior to this. So it's really forcing us in a way, in an organic way, I would say. Yeah, no. Adaptability, right, at this point. A hundred percent. Like, I think before, like, I mean, just when you were talking about that lurking uh, at the beginning of your events, I definitely felt like I was lurking around. uh, Who am I going to talk to? And then you have no juxtaposition of what you're going to do. You just have to wait for like, all right, Sharia is coming up. Okay. uh, All right. Introduce yourself. I'm new. And okay, let's meet up. That's, that's cool. But I really like how you have these breakout rooms. Um, and then when you see this, the, 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 how the future is going to work out, when you talk about these soft skills and hard skills, like you can't come into it just going, like even for this, mm-hmm. like I have Bluetooth headphones and I have this, like it's not a seamless integration 
of just connecting things and everything works together. Like I had to figure out through the Zoom where the mic was, where the headphones were, and that's having some knowledge of technical skills. So what are the biggest soft skills? And um, I want to transition from hard technical skills because those are pretty, I mean, maybe they're not so obvious and maybe you can touch upon that, but what are the soft skills that you see as the biggest hurdle for people as the future of work gets um, 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 moving forward, I guess? Um, I think clear communication. Okay. Um, How so? The reason I say clear communication, it's because I think technology in a way uh, raises accountability on us. And if you are you know resistant to it that's going to raise accountability on you like okay do you know how to log into this device um if there's an issue can you advocate for that can you be you know can you you know be transparent about that if you're having issues mm-hmm. um, i think uh let's say for example the you know schools right now schools are just forced to be online some schools i would say majority of schools given that you know remote learning and distance learning is is how you're able to teach your students so mm-hmm. if you didn't roll out those technology prior to the pandemic, and now you're being forced to, now this raises accountability on your tech usage. And do, yeah. you, th- do you see people, I guess, because you're saying you're, it's raising the accountability, these teachers or even the students, do you feel that they're, I hate to use the word lazy because no one's lazy in this aspect, but when it comes to technology, right, they would rely too heavily on something else. But now that this is here, it's, what's happening right now um i wouldn't necessarily say lazy so there's two ways to look at it right um sure. one way is rolling out tech to someone who may be resistant to it who, who's not who's not comfortable right and then okay. there's also rolling out tech during a pandemic where your main <laughs> focus is am i okay you know am uh-huh. i mentally okay and okay. no, I'm not. So how am I going to go online and act like everything is fine when I myself internally, I'm not fine. So uh-huh. I think, uh, especially in schools where you're rolling on tech and you expect students to show up online, I think we need to really focus on that mental health piece in terms of rolling out technology during this time, as well as putting that pressure on educators to be able to facilitate a conversation online. How do you manage, like, I, I, I'm going to touch upon this mental health aspect because that seems pretty important because I think, I mean, even for myself, I'll speak for myself. I feel like I have some mental health issues of just like, just day to day, like mm-hmm. just managing my life, uh, whatever it can be. But like, how, like, and I had the capability of seeing someone in person. How is this being handled through technology and in schools where it seems insanely hard to do in person, just managing it in a school setting. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many things we could talk about. Right? We could talk about the digital divide, <laughs> you know, digital divide being a whole nother issue. Um, I think uh, there's magic to tech, right? Um, okay. Magic to tech in a way where if you are a student and you're not able to see your friends right now, um, maybe you can, maybe you're able to, if you have a, te- a device, maybe you're able to, join a game where you can interact with your friends. So that way there's still some type of engagement there. Like I'm not really, you know, hanging out with my friends in school right now. I'm able to chat with them online. I'm able to play with this, play this game. I'm able to play, I don't know, a virtual pool online and we're on the same team or something like that. Right. And I think there's ways to do it. Um, There's a way to cope with it. 
but we're all learning as we're going right now. You know, no one really has the answers. And I think that's fine. I think that is, that's how education is where you are literally learning as you're going, you're failing, you're learning, you're growing, you're failing again. And I think we're sometimes too hard on ourselves. And that's going to be another thing in terms of like the future of work is accepting failure. It's fine and owning up to it. Sure. I mean, as an entrepreneur, failure is like the first thing you learn how to accept. Like if you don't fail, then I don't think there's a possibility for you to succeed. And failure looks a whole lot of different ways for um, every entrepreneur. Like in my first company right out of college, um, it was a failure in terms of uh, like we closed up, it didn't work out, uh, but I learned a lot. So how like that's part of the entrepreneurship journey of just learning how to succeed as whereas now i've iterated i've learned a lot and now i've launched a new company and it's actually i so far it's 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 it, all these failures have taught me something new um speaking about these failures how do you see people like adjusting to that and um yeah mm-hmm. I think um, as we've seen some startups who are you know, going through some challenges right now and even businesses, uh, I think we're hitting a road of just self-reflection okay. uh, and self-development, which we may not have had a chance to kind of sit down and think about if it weren't for this lockdown. Okay. Because it really forces you to be vulnerable. It forces you to think. It forces you, okay, where am I going next? Whether it's my career or where am I going next? Whether it's a personal development. So I'm, I'm excited for the future work. I think uh, it's going to be very interesting in many aspects. Uh, and I don't know. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm hopeful. Okay. Like when you say you're hopeful for the future of work, do you, how do you foresee, like even let's take your specialty in ed tech, like after people can go back to the school uh, and they can sit down in a class, right? How is their lives going to be affected uh, six months from now? I mean, given if, you know, we're back in class. Yes. Let's say assuming we're in class. <laughs> assuming we are. Um, I feel like that teachers will be much more uh, confident using the products now. I'm using ed tech products. Um, and an ed tech product could be, I think that's a very vague word, right? Ed tech. Sure. There's so many things, whether it's a learning management system, whether it's a tool to um, enhance design thinking, right? There's so many ways um, to describe ed tech. Uh, and I think, you know, I'm hopeful to see more administration support when you're not getting okay. support from the top, then it's going to impact how you're teaching your classes. Right? You may have a vision, but um, if your administration isn't supporting your vision, then you're just at a roadblock there. Um, you know, I uh, was a former ed tech specialist where I had an administration role as well as the educate, as well as the teacher role. So I was really lucky, you know, I was lucky because I was the one deciding what tools to roll out. And I know not everyone has that luxury. And it also differentiates if you work at a public school, at an independent school, in higher ed. So all that changes. Uh, And I think um, this situation is also allowing students to understand how they're learning. Okay. Um, That, that, I mean, that's interesting that it comes from the administrative I guess that makes sense that it has to come from the admin 
side of it because if they don't get the they don't set the tone for it if you're not getting the support from the top how are you as someone that's um i guess um beneath one layer below how are you going to roll something out successfully if um the admin's like no just take the books and teach mm-hmm. what do you do when you don't have books and there it's that's fine i think uh uh it's all about like i mentioned before it's all about adaptability uh you can teach about that having technology you know um technology it does enhance the learning experience and make you much okay. more accessible but you can still get your point across without using tech um so there are two things i talk about i, I like to mention is you know, i could watch netflix and assign uh, maybe an episode of Black Mirror. I'm like, hey, we're gonna learn about some, we're gonna talk about cybersecurity today. We're gonna use okay. a clip from this and like break down this information and dive into deeper conversations, right? And as some students are already engaged in Netflix, uh, that's like, okay, you know, we're doing something different outside the classroom instead of reading this manual, let's switch it up. Or if we wanna use less tech um, and think about um, how do you, help build a community you know what are some ways to build a community we can think about looking at a bridge i'm staring at this bridge i bring my students maybe i show them a photo of a bridge and all i show is just the photo of the bridge and from that it's questions start coming up well, why is this bridge here is it broken what kind of material is the bridge made out of how old is this bridge and the questions get deeper and deeper and then eventually developing your thesis statement right so there are ways to do things with that always depending on technology and i think it's important to have that flexibility of both. You know, there are advantages to both. Um, I was actually in an interesting conversation last week about asynchronous learning and synchronous learning, um, whether it's having a class online, a live time and having students join in versus posting the course online and having the flexibility to go into that course whenever you can. So, uh, I think there are so many things to think about, and I don't want to go down the rabbit hole talking about, <laughs> oh, your learning environment, you know, is it a safe space to learn? Can you access the material? Um, but uh, I think, yeah, I'm, I, I think there are going to be pros and cons out of this. You're going to learn what works for you and what doesn't work for you. That's, I mean, I'll say for my own, like, I, I, I can't even fathom to know the difference between, uh, I mean, not the difference, just like, would the the outside struggles for my own personal struggles i've like when i've tried to do these um online classes it's 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 always been tough to do it from the recordings but i see what you mean when in in terms of access um sometimes it's helpful when i've done something and i'd be lying to say if i if i went to something live and then rewatched the recording because i might have done that once out of the 300 times i've done it so um there's probably i you know way more about that than i do i just know that i think like you said that different people different situations required you have to have more than just one uh not one way is correct yeah and i think um not just students right now right uh people who are working remote now i mean if you've never worked remote before and you're working remote now you're actually learning what works best for you you know are you someone who can work remote is does this work for you versus no, I, I cannot work remote or this is how I can, you know, this is how I can build my routines around this. I actually understand what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And this transcends aside from like a classroom. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just so excited. 
No, you're you're a hundred percent right. I mean, I have I have the fortunate I, I'm fortunate enough to have not only been a remote worker for the last twelve years. I think I think about it every single time. Like, how long have I been doing? I've been on and off a remote worker for twelve years. I've been a remote executive for the last three years, and so I know it works for me. But that's not the case for everybody. I've I've talked to numerous people who have been like, this is. I, I, they're, they're just like, I, I don't know how you do this. Like, give me some tips. What is it like? They're even talking about like, uh, 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 converse, uh, not conversation, but like meetings, right? They're like, how do you handle meetings? Like, do we need to have these daily meetings? I, I hate daily meetings. So that's just my executive style. That's just how I manage. But some people are having these daily meetings, right? Um, and then you realize, you know, are these meetings actually, you know, valuable? You know, yes. is it just a waste of time? So now it's also helping your company decide, you know, when you're deciding what's your next, you know, three-year plan and you're planning and what is working, what isn't working. You may not have had this opportunity if you were in person at the office. Yeah, because when you're in person in the office, you just see each other and just natural, there's... You, you take a break, you go bother somebody, you, uh, there's oftentimes there's just like random chats that people interrupt people, uh, interrupt each other with. And, yeah, and I agree. And it's even w along with that, um, this allows employers, like a leadership team to decide, it, are these employees the people we want to continue staying at the company? Or, you know, are we paying them to do the job that isn't really done efficiently? So that also, you know, going back to the future of work, I think, and the word accountability, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very interesting to see who still has a job after these remote transitions and who are being let go and who is um, actually shining at work. You know, who's been doing the work that we didn't hear about? Wow, this person has been, you know, has been so active and we never noticed it before. Yeah, because sometimes things can get hidden when you're in an office. Mm -hmm. Like you can just be stuck in front of the computer screen and they they might be the worst at interacting with people but they're a good worker but they're just like i d i don't know how to navigate the political landscape of uh the office yeah. i don't know how to get into my manager's ear at the right mm -hmm. time and i think as um educators we think of our students we think how they learn but when i was at um when i switched to corporate ed tech my number one focus was okay i have a background in accessibility I get how students learn, but I really want to know how employees learn because that's going to impact the product, right? Mm -hmm. um, if your employees aren't understanding how the product is being used or if, you're, or if you're running a meeting where you have three people on your team who have severe ADHD and you are talking the whole time for 45 minutes and having everyone sit down, is this meeting effective, mm -hmm. right? And I think the next thing I'm hoping we have more conversations about is going to be neurodiversity. I, it's really on, you know, how, how are people learning? Um, mm -hmm. And their way, like, I think everyone has, you know, when we talk about diversity, diversity can be many things. Diversity in access, diversity in culture, diversity in your employees, right? And your teams. But mm -hmm. I think neurodiversity, it's more on how are you learning and navigating the space? For example, for me, as someone who does have ADHD, I know what works for me and what doesn't work for me. 
So when okay. I'm in a meeting, I'm going to be, I'm going to advocate for that because <laughs> maybe there are people who don't realize how they're learning just yet. So, uh, I think uh, there needs to be more conversations about this so that way people can feel more comfortable talking about it. If we don't talk about things, it's just like hidden underneath the rug, right? Just like, hey, if I don't know how to uh, use Slack or Zoom or create a meeting on it, I'm, I'm going to feel uncomfortable talking about it. I, I don't want to be the per first person to share that. Oh, I don't know how to do it. Yeah. No, no one wants to be the, well, it depends, but it's, it's, and not even just that, sometimes it's hard just to be the first follower of whatever's happening. I mean, I'll, I'll give a, when you talk about this neurodiversity and everything you're talking about earlier, um, with my interactions in uh, Latin America, for example, I'm, ta I'm working with, uh, uh, at Higher Lama, we have a special, um, I guess we're, we have this education platform. Uh, it's very informal, where we actually take uh, women in South America with uh, English skills and we teach them how to be remote, um, remote employees and to be better uh, customer experience and inbound uh, marketers. Um, what we're finding and because we're doing this just because we, we see a problem that happens in South America, especially facing the women. Um, they're just the, the access that they have to jobs, the, the, the other issues facing women in third world countries are, are much more different than the issues that women face in, well, similar, anyway. <laughs> um, we're finding that, again, they're all learning in different ways. And uh, I think it's, it, it's, it's something that I'm learning on the fly. Uh, I'm finding these women that they're excited to learn, but they just, essentially, they just want to get to work. Um, but they don't have any remote skills. They're very like, hey, I'll just, uh, I'll just pick up my computer, I'll pick up my phone, and I'll try to work, mm. right? And something like coming from a first world country, coming from uh, someone that has this experience, it's actually an interesting dynamic of teaching without access. I, I think, um, you know, I, I was born in Bangladesh, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's a developing country and I grew up in New York City, but uh, everything was just, I, I need to figure it out on my own because I don't have the support for it. And there's, there's some beauty in that, right? There's beauty in figuring things out on your own because you're kind of forced to figure, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it somehow, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to figure it out. You know, whether it's me trying it on my own several times and if I can't, then I'll reach out to someone. And I wish I had the mentorship or coach, you know, during my adolescent years. And I think um, as folks who are transitioning over to remote work or as, you know, even if it's their first job, I think it's important to have some form of professional development or coach to kind of guide them through making sure, hey, this is fine. What you're doing is okay. Let me just kind of guide you or support you a little bit more to get you to where you need to be at. Oh, yeah. Like one thing... I I've noticed, like, regardless of how well they've um, uh, adapted, I just have weekly check-ins. Just weekly, like, it's like five minutes sometimes, and then we just talk about whatever. And how's that been going, like, the weekly check-ins? How do you... It's just, it's awesome, like, um, honestly, I just tell them, like, hey, like, I have them read a bunch of articles, 
on just like what's happening in the news just to like just to get their uh, um, attention heightened, get them to interact with me better. So um, I think that when you're when we were first starting out, I think just these weekly quick check-ins, just getting getting creating a habit, mm-hmm. creating this very basic habit, especially when you're working with people in uh, in Latin America. And now, um, uh, now we've gotten I think four students. I guess for um, women that are they're graduating soon and they're ready. Well, I guess it's bad timing, but yeah, <laughs> it's an opportunity, right? I mean, uh, maybe bad timing in the job market, depending on which industry. Really. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they're getting these skills. They're getting these skills that are still going to be utilized. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd like to. I mean, I'd like to also tap into your experience as a mentor mm-hmm. like uh, I assumed as a mentor I'm please tell me if you uh, know more about it I mean of course you know more uh, as a mentor did you always were you always this remote uh, or did you was it a, a mixture yeah so uh, you know and I mentor many things right one thing okay. I've been mentoring a lot more on is just working directly with startup founders uh, okay. mentoring on your product, right? Uh, aside from mentoring on your product and strategic partnerships, I focus on executive coaching because I think sometimes you can't tunnel vision, especially when you have so many ideas and you're looking for fundraising or you're looking to build a team. Um, it can be easy to hit tunnel vision when you have so many things happening all at once. And I like that um, often I tell them, hey, uh, just pause for a moment, just literally just, just pause, just pause for a moment and think about how you're fostering relationships. Cause you okay. can have a great idea. You can have um, a, you know, solution, but if you aren't fostering relationships with the people you're talking to, they're going to remember you as not, you know, not someone they might want to work with. And that goes back to not just a founder, but just with students, grad students, undergrad students, um, professionals, just knowing how to foster relationships. Because I think that's going to bring out more um, authenticity and more vulnerability as you're talking to people. That's so. That's important to uh, to touch upon. Um, and I I really want I want to end this just like uh, to get I guess like, final two thoughts um, from you. Uh, one being. Where do you, I guess, speak about how like conference space, ed tech, entrepreneurship, uh, corporate uh, learning, you do a lot of things. <laughs> um, where do you, wh- where do you see this? Where do you see this combination of the future of work? I guess, what do you see the future of work in any of those four, or all four of those spaces combining? Um, honestly, I've been thinking about the word ed tech. I think ed tech, fintech, health tech, you know, everything is tech. And I feel like things are going to go back to being its own category, like non-tech, because this is just like what it is now. So education is going to be education. Health is going to be health. Business is going to be business. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it might go back to normal. You know, I don't have all the answers. I am just a, you know, a lurker and a a listener and in the background, I'm in the background. Um, and, I like to see how things are flowing. Um, and I think uh, people are going to start to realize more of the importance of 
technology mm-hmm. and how it is, you know, some companies who decided remote work wasn't for them or they, you know, they're never going to go remote are seeing maybe we should change our, our company culture now. We never offered remote, but maybe we should give that as an option so we can get talent from other places too. Um, and even with schools, it's if you have the money to get these products and I can talk about the digital divide. Maybe we can talk about that another day. I don't know, but um, yeah. I think uh, the future of whatever things may go, uh, we'll see more partnerships happen, um, right? Okay. So an example, Kahoot. Kahoot is a gamified platform, um, ideally used in schools, but you have companies like Facebook using it during business meetings. Slack and Zoom are communicative platforms where you can talk with other teams, but now you have schools using it. And maybe schools have used, some schools may have used it even before the pandemic, um, but more using it now. Um, other industries, right? Whether it's podcasts. Podcasts have been around uh, for some time, but even more now. Yeah. But now students may be using podcasts to talk about their journey and what they're learning in classrooms as a little an assignment. So there's going to be a lot of partnerships happening across multiple industries. And I think we're going to get more of a community feel out of what's going to be happening soon. So um, I know I mentioned I'm hopeful and I'm just open to all these changes and we're just going to keep riding this wave out together. Rock on. Uh, well, let's continue riding this wave. Uh, um, I really want to thank you again for uh, stopping by. Uh, Sharia, uh, anything you want to plug at the last minute or? Yeah, I mean, if anyone that's listening, if you have questions about, you know, education technology, whether it's with schools or the corporate level, or just want to have a conversation, um, I'm open to it. You know, um, I'll share my email and contact information or Calvin, you Excellent. have it, so feel free yep. to share that. Um, you yep. can reach me at LinkedIn at Sharia Huda, S-H-A-R-I-A. H-U-D-A. LinkedIn's going to be the next wave, so be on that soon. Exactly. Well, again, Shreya, thank you for uh, stopping by, and uh, uh, we'll stay in touch. Sounds good. Take it easy.